Hello everyone and welcome to today's special edition of After the Final Whistle. This is the Emergency Jimmy Butler Trade Podcast. I am your host, Brad Clear. Uh, this will be a shorter episode than usual. Without further ado, let's just dive right into it. So, the big news yesterday with Jimmy Butler along with Justin Patton being traded to the Sixers for Robert Bob Covington, Dario Saric, Jared Bayless, the headband himself, and um, I believe a 2022 second round pick. Woj at one point said 2020. I still think it's 2022. Um, but regardless, wow. Um, so it was funny because I was actually doing a reading of some sort yesterday afternoon. And so I had my phone down. I picked my phone up and I have tweet notifications for like 30 different accounts. One of them is Zach Lowe. And so I pick it up, and right in the front of the screen is the Zach Lowe tweet notification saying, Robert Covington and Dario Saric are in the deal, league sources tell ESPN. So I'm freaking out, like, holy crap, what's going on? And then I see that it was a Jimmy Butler trade. And then the full details came out through Shams, through Woj, and emotionally it sucks, but this is a no-brainer. You do a 10 out of 10 times trade. How often can you get a top 15 player in the NBA without giving up a first round pick. It doesn't happen. It just does not happen. Um, and you look at it from the Sixers standpoint. For all these years, we had been saying, you know, this offseason, they're going to sign or trade for person X, Y, and Z, and they'll get their third star. Last offseason, it didn't happen. The year before, Fultz was supposed to be that through the draft. Different circumstances, but that didn't happen. Looking at this coming offseason, there was no reason to think that the Sixers would not be shut out from getting a third star. There was no reason to think they were going to be able to get a third star. So what they did with this trade was rather than waiting and being shut out again in the last ever chance based on salary cap that they would have to get a third star, rather than waiting, they get the third star in now and are in a prime position, he's going to be re-signed. There is no way that Jimmy Butler is not re-signed for the long term. It's just a matter of um, if they do four years or five years, and if they give him the full 190, or if they try to do a little bit less, because as he ages, with the wear and tear he's had, he's had some injury uh, history, they'll probably try to get that to five for 170, um, maybe down to four years at the full money. We'll see. Um, looking at... At one thing that I think has gotten overlooked a bit in analyzing this trade, that second contract that was coming to Dario Saric next offseason, one of the factors that was going to ensure that the Sixers' cap space would be gone, Dario probably would have gotten about 16 or 17, maybe 18 million a year. And I love Dario Saric. He plays with heart and hustle, and he plays hard, and he can pass well, and he can shoot. He just does everything at a very solid level. He's a great glue guy. But I was not, you know, I'm not crazy about the idea of having to pay Dario Saric 16, 17, 18 million a year. I'm just not. And so when you take that into account, and then as much as I love Bob Covington, you know, one of the best defenders in the entire NBA on an incredibly valuable deal that'll pay him only 36 mil over the next three years. As much as I love these two guys, 
let's take the circumstances out of this. Let's take out the fact that Butler and Minnesota had this crazy trade saga going on. Let's take out the fact that it was the Sixers' last chance to get a third star or the need to get a third star or whatever. Let's take all those circumstances away. If you were to put on paper saying you're trading Dario Saric, Bob Covington, and a future second-round pick, and you're going to get Jimmy Butler back, you do that every single time, regardless of circumstance. You know, that is a no-brainer trade. Um, Jimmy Butler, I have said in the past, I've called him the 13th best player in the league. I've called him the 14th best player in the league. Regardless of the specific number, he is a bona fide top 15 player in the league. The one thing that this Sixers team has sorely lacked is a guy who you could throw the ball to with the game on the line, with the clock winding down on the perimeter and say, hey, get me a shot. Make a shot. Send this game to overtime. Get me a big three. Get me the shot to win the game. They have not had that type of player. Jimmy Butler is exactly what they needed. And not only is he this offensive stud, he is an elite two-way player. We had talked about how Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were perfect fits for this team as far as their two-way capabilities, their perimeter scoring ability, etc. You know, Jimmy Butler is that mold of player. Jimmy Butler is a perfect basketball fit for what the Sixers need. Now, is he the greatest three-point shooter? No, he's not. But he has the capability of being a ball-dominant, elite offensive option who on the other side of the ball is going to provide you elite perimeter defense. So essentially, you turned a guy in Dario Saric, who's a great glue guy, who you were probably going to have to overpay when his extension came up, and Bob Covington, a guy who's great, but you're going to be upgrading from him to one of the top 15 players in the league, and all you're giving up additionally to that is the second round pick, Bayless is irrelevant in this situation. He's going to get bought out or waived or whatever. It's a no-brainer. Now, a lot of people have talked about Jimmy Butler and Markel Fultz. Now, we saw and heard everything that happened as far as uh, him basically publicly degrading and privately degrading in practice Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, being incredibly hard on them, being really a bully to them. Now... Is he a guy who's wears his heart on his sleeve and his heart on his teammates, you know, to strive to be the best they can be? Yes. But Markel Fultz does not stop you from getting a top 15 player in this league. Markel Fultz, as he currently is, is a backup point guard. A backup point guard who has the yips and his confidence does not get in the way of getting Jimmy freaking Butler. Now, yes, Fultz's development for the long-term success of this Sixers franchise is incredibly important. But as I've said before, the odds of him ever becoming what he was supposed to be when he was drafted by the Sixers first overall, I don't think that's realistic of ever happening. Right now, you look at him as a guy who can be a real spark plug who um, heads the second unit, uh, can attack the rim, and play you some decent defense. That's what he is at this point. If he develops into a better version of that, and develops into a resemblance of what he was supposed to be, then that's great. But that's a wild card at this point. 
you look at this team now for the remainder of the season. I think you're looking at probably a starting five of Simmons, Shamit, or Redick, Butler, Chandler, and Embiid. I personally would love to do a lineup where it would be Simmons, Shamit, Redick, Butler, and Embiid. I think that would work very well. I think there's lineups where um, even playing someone like a TJ McConnell at the one and playing Simmons at the four and then putting Redick in at the two. Um, I, I think with Chandler, you know, Chandler always has the issue of being healthy uh, and whatnot, but his versatility positionally, his ability to shoot, his ability to defend multiple positions, that's going to be very valuable now on this team who has now become, you know, they're not, they were not a deep team to start with. They're a pretty thin team at this point. We look at this team now. So you'd have uh, Simmons, Redick, Butler, Chandler, Embiid um, with Shamit, Fultz, Muscala, McConnell, Amir Johnson, Korkmaz, Bolden. Maybe Zaire Smith comes back and can contribute. I would not hold my breath on that. Justin Patton is just a body at this point. He's not going to have any role in this team. They're going to sign someone off the buyout market um, come February, come March, come January. Whether, you know, I don't know if Phoenix would buy him out, but if they were to do so, Trevor Ariza would be perfect. They still have that room exception of 4.5 mil um, because of Nemanja Bielitsa spurning them, which is a shame because Nemanja Bielitsa would be perfect to play at the four on this team with Simmons, Redick, Butler, and Embiid. But that's you know, irrelevant because it's not occurring now. Um, you look at how Elton Brand had talked in the media since he got this job. On the jump, when the jump was broadcasting live from Camden at the practice facility. In that podcast on the low post with Zach Lowe, Elton Brand consistently said that this team needed a third star, and he was right. And in this article that came out today from Woj about the negotiations negotiations of this trade, Elton Brand played his hand so unbelievably well in this situation. You know, basically, you know, we had seen that it got to the point with Minnesota where Glenn Taylor himself was directly involved with negotiating this trade. Josh Harris got involved with it as well. Josh Harris wanted to dive right in and just get in with trading for Jimmy Butler immediately early on after the uh, Board of Governors meeting when all the older, where all the owners were there. And what Brand did was he basically said to Harris and played it out as, look, they're going to go and ask for the moon and more from all these different teams. They're going to get rejected. They're going to have too high of an asking price. Let's bide our time, wait till the price comes down significantly, and then we'll pounce. And that's exactly what he did. And I think that's really something that you love to see in an executive so early in the role. I know that a lot of people were surprised he got this GM job so quick. You know, initially I wasn't crazy about the idea of him becoming the GM. But man, to have the foresight and to have the sort of knowledge to realize that Minnesota was going to be spurned by so many teams. To realize that they had this interest, but if they waited and bid their time, the price would come down because not only would teams not be willing to trade a huge amount for Butler, but Butler sticking around on this team, as we saw in these last five games, was never going to be able to last based off of the toxic nature that resulted from him being there. You know, Thibodeau, whatever Tom Thibodeau thought, 
about his ability to be able to coach this team with Jimmy Butler and win games. As we've seen over these last five games, and basically on Friday, they realized it was not possible for this team to be able to function with Jimmy Butler there, sitting out games, dictating his terms, and just making things horrible for Towns um, at this point. Towns, their franchise guy. Now, if we look at it in terms of what Minnesota got, Bob Covington is one of the best defenders, perimeter defenders in the entire NBA. Dario Saric is a great player who can fill a role in any team in this league, who contributes at a solid level all across the board. Is this team going to be a playoff team? Absolutely not. And did they get enough for Jimmy Butler? Absolutely not. And did they play this situation poorly? Absolutely. But they still came out of it with a very valuable player in Bob Covington on a very good value deal who can contribute to winning. And if they ultimately decide to trade him, every team in the league would have an interest in the player Bob Covington, especially with that incredible contract he is on. And I know I just mentioned earlier about the figure for Dario being too high, likely in that next contract. But having Dario Sarge in the fold with your team, I think he's a great guy to play at the four next to Carl Anthony Towns. Um, so there is some positives to this for Minnesota because Covington and Sarge are great role players who could fit on any team in this league. Covington is very tradable if they desire to do so moving forward. And Dario will be there for the long term with this team. And depending on what the contracts end up looking like with the coming cap spike in the next two years, maybe Dario becomes tradable as well. And maybe they're able to add some good players in the draft and add to a core that has Towns, that has Saric, has Covington, and unfortunately has Wiggins. Now, this is a lot of what-ifs and a lot of positives. I don't think Tom Thibodeau will be the president to oversee this. I don't think Scott Leighton will be the GM to oversee this. I think they are as good as gone at this point with how they basically botched this entire situation, did not take Miami's offer with Richardson and the draft picks, um, and allowed Butler to damage the face of the organization and Carl Anthony Towns to damage their public image, allowing Butler to go out on public, or excuse me, on national television, basically crapping all over the organization. The leaking of that one practice where he just verbally eviscerated everybody. These are things that never should have been allowed to occur. And they were because of Tom Thibodeau worrying more about the short-term success of his team and his job security than the long-term as a manager should, or as an executive in a management position should, which he, by having that dual role, had the right, or excuse me, had the need to do. He's got to be out. Scott Layton's got to be out as well. As far as the Sixers um, with Butler. So, I just can't look at this trade and not say that this was a great huge win for them. Because we look at them this season. Boston and Toronto are clearly at the top of the East. Boston struggling so far, but I still maintain that they will get it together. Toronto looks like a well-oiled machine. Who looks like they are going to make... You know, even if Boston gets to their best level, Toronto looks every bit an NBA Finals team so far. And the Milwaukee Bucks, with Mike Budenholzer transforming them into this team who can shoot the ball, who can pass, all three of those teams were better than the Sixers this season. 
And the Sixers, without adding a third star, were going to be stuck at a certain level. Now, with Jimmy Butler on this team, again, it remains to be seen how he gels with the team, how he gels with Simmons and Embiid, etc. This puts them on a level equal to Toronto and Boston. This makes them better than Milwaukee. I have no question about that in my mind. The Sixers are a team striving to win a championship. And this is a championship contender move. This takes them up a level. This makes them a better team than they were on Friday. Better team than they were this entire season thus far. And makes them a better team for the future. Again, will the end of the contract with Butler, where he's in his mid-30s, be rough because he'll likely have injury issues and will be paid at a high $30 million per year figure? Yeah, that's going to be rough. But this year, next year, and the year after that, so two and a half years, this is the in the top this team is in the top five of the NBA with no question. And if Toronto, you know, Kawhi Leonard leaves Toronto and goes to the Clippers, and Kevin Durant does not go to the Knicks, it's the Celtics and the Sixers. And in a series, the Sixers have the three best two-way players in a series with Boston. The Sixers now with Jimmy Butler, match up way better with the Boston Celtics, a team who stifled them last in last season in the playoffs without Kyrie Irving, without Gordon Hayward. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the emotional aspect of this trade. You know, full disclosure, I own four pieces of Sixers merchandise. Simmons, and bead jerseys, and the other two are a Dario Saric jersey and a Bob Covington jersey. Those Bob Covington and Dario Saric jerseys, those are never getting worn again. Hell, I might even frame them. Those are collector's items. And, you know, I, I, I of course, this is a deal you make every single time, but it does kind of break your heart a little bit because Bob Covington is... The process. Dario Starch was a very much was very much an integral part of this process. He was part of that MB draft in 2014. Really, the draft that set the tone for the process with Hinky taking two guys in Embiid, obviously who ended up missing two years, and Saric, who uh, played in Turkey for two years, and then trading back two spots from 10 to 12, still getting Saric, who was his guy. And in the process, picking Alfred Payton, who he knew Orlando wanted, and got back the first that the Sixers had sent to Orlando in the Andrew Bynum trade. It's a total hinky night. And the waiting for Dario and the whole is Dario coming over thing that all the hacks in the media harped on criticizing hinky. You know, these two guys are very much the process. You know, Bob Covington, an undrafted free agent, who Hinky signed to a Hinky special contract, blossomed into one of the league's best perimeter defenders, a three-point shooter, a guy who could be a fit and a starter on almost every single team in the league. The perfect modern 3 and D wing. And Saric, a great glue guy who plays hard with his heart on the sleeve and is an extremely likable player. These two guys are process OGs. Dario is the homie. 
Bob Covington and TJ, to me, you know, there's two guys to me, or three, I guess, three guys to me personify the process more than anything else, right? Embiid, because he was out for two years, the risk of injury, you know, everyone complained about him not playing for two years, and even if he never played at the level he's at now, it was the right pick to make. And look how he's blossomed into being one of the top 10, 11, 12 players in the league. And TJ McConnell, a guy who was undrafted, the Sixers signed to come in in summer league, and were probably going to cut before the year, but he played so hard and played with such tenacity that he stuck around, and he is still a contributing player who has a role in the NBA, whether it's on the Sixers, whether it's on another team for years to come. You know, TJ McConnell is someone who Sam Hinkie, in recent podcasts, you know, the Invest Like Best podcast, great, great podcast, by the way, TJ McConnell is one of the most proud transactions and acquisitions Sam Hinkie ever made. And if you read Sam Hinkie's 13-page resignation letter, letter, you see what he said about Bob Covington, saying how he came down to do a press conference very late after the 2014 draft. Covington was undrafted, and Houston snatched him up. And how 17 months later, when he became available, Hinkie snatched him up. But to this day, Hinkie shudders at the thought of missing out on Bob Covington. Bob Covington, more so than almost anybody else, embodies the process. Dario Sarge embodies the process. Now, these are two guys who all of the process trusters really just loved. Really people you could invest in and were so incredibly likable and embodied everything about this entire journey to this point for this team. So yeah, on an emotional level, it kind of sucks. And yes, it makes every sense in the world to do this trade in a basketball sense. But it breaks your heart a little bit in doing so. So now we jump to the idea of Jimmy Butler meshing with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Um, it's been a big media talking point for these last couple months about how Simmons and Embiid mesh, how much they like each other, etc. We've seen on social media, we've seen how they talk about each other. There is no issue between these two guys. These two guys... Have no problem with the other. Now, we have to see how Jimmy Butler meshes with these two guys. And I think Woj made a good point in his article today, which I would agree with, in that if there is any issue at all, it's all on Jimmy Butler. And this will be the third team in a row in which this headstrong guy created locker room issues. So he has the incentive to be on his best behavior with these two guys because this is the team that he's going to get the biggest payday from. This is a team that can contend and get to the finals with him on them, with him on them. That is not gettable or doable with any other team. So I don't expect there to be really any issue between Butler and Bede and Simmons. Between Butler and Fultz, you know, maybe a little bit but even still, I don't think that the locker room will allow that to occur. I think the incentive is there for him to be on his best behavior. The incentive is on him to fit with Embiid and Simmons. The incentive is on him to not disrupt anything that is going with this team. As far as, you know, building out the roster, which I kind of touched on a little bit earlier, I had mentioned Trevor Ariza, uh, Trevor Ariza as a buyout candidate. Again, remains to be seen if he will be bought out but I look at him as the perfect buyout signing for this team. I think in a trade, I think Kyle Korver makes all the sense in the world. Um, 
Cleveland is going to trade Kyle Korver. The Sixers need to add even more shooting. Korver for two second round picks? I'd be stunned if the Sixers are not all over that. Um, you look last year, you know, Marco Bellinelli, Ursan Ilyasova, the buyout market last year created the incredible bench depth and these two major contributors for the Sixers team that allowed them to get to where they ended up in the second round last year in the playoffs. You know, Marco Bellinelli and Ursan Ilyasova were integral, integral pieces of this team. And every single year, there are guys available to be traded for, guys available to be signed. And Kyle Korver, to me, just seems like he's going to end up being this year's version of Marco Bellinelli. With the availability, with the incredible need that his team has to trade him, with how the Sixers have an abundance of second-round picks they could trade to Cleveland, it makes all the sense in the world. And they also have that room exception to outbid other potential suitors for Trevor Ariza. I think one thing, though, that I want to dispel with this trade is that you know a lot of people were really, really hard on Dario Saric um, for his start to the season. And his start to the season was subpar. You know, he did not, to this point, he had not been playing well. You know, he'd be playing a little better of late, but he had really had a dreadful start to the year. Um, I think you can contribute that a lot to the fact that he had played international play um, so often these last couple years, he really had no extended time off. He probably overworked himself, but it was fair to say that there was no way that Dario Saric would not end up getting it all together and becoming the player he was last year and the year before that. That was definitely going to come. So the notion that they were trading Saric because he was never going to be, or excuse me, not never going to be, because he was he had regressed or because he was not the player he once was, that's not why he was traded. Saric was traded because he is an incredible role player who fits on every team in this league, an attractive player for what Minnesota was trying to get back for Butler and and realistically could get back for Butler. If it was up to the Sixers, they would have only traded one of Saric and Covington. You know, the poor start that Saric had, I think he just needed to get into a rhythm, continuously get more reps, um, sort of find his groove after really being tired and working himself so hard. The player we saw from Dario Saric in the beginning and early parts of this year is not indicative of the player that Dario Saric has become now. He has not regressed. He was just overworked and had to find his groove. I think if we want to bring up a concern or a potential on-court issue with Butler on this team, I think it's a valid point is that you're going to have you know three guys, Simmons, Butler, and Embiid, especially Simmons, and especially Butler, who their effectiveness comes when they have the ball in their hands. These are three guys who really, to be effective to the greatest extent they can be, need to have the ball in their hands. And, of course, there's only one ball and there's three guys. So, I don't put you know too much worry into that, although it is a valid point. I think that's something that eventually gets figured out once this team with these three guys has played together multiple times and has gotten comfortable playing together. That's something that will take time for each of those three guys to really adjust to and to become comfortable with because adding another ball-dominant guy 
to a team who has two ball-dominant guys is going to inherently create growing pains that they all need to adjust to. Again, though, I think it takes time, but they will easily be able to figure out how to sort of mesh and fit together. And I think, really, any issue that comes with the fact that these are three ball-dominant guys who all need the ball in their hands, I think any of that issue gets superseded by the fact that this team now has, as I mentioned earlier, they have filled their greatest need, which is a guy you can throw the ball to at the end of the game in a clutch situation when you need a shot. I think that existence on this team outweighs any issue that comes with these three guys all needing the ball in their hands. So far this season also, we've seen that uh, with Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons, the two of them on the court at the same time, it, it just doesn't work. And I think Butler now being on this team, I think that's going to more or less eliminate really them playing on the court at the same time together for more than a sporadic handful of minutes per game. Because now, because you're going to be playing Butler and Embiid and Simmons significant minutes every game, you have to have two guys on the court with those guys who can shoot the ball. Fultz cannot do that. So now, I really look at it. I cannot see a realistic way that there is an existence where Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz play together on the court for more than a single digits amount of minutes per game. It's just not realistic now having Butler in the fold. And especially weighing the fact that we've seen how Fultz succeeds to the greatest extent when he is the backup point guard with the bench unit. And we've seen that him and Simmons really just does not work together, obviously, because neither guy can shoot the ball or is willing to shoot the ball. All in all, though, wrapping up this episode here of After the Final Whistle, again, I'm your host, Brad Clear. All in all, this is a great trade made by the Sixers, a great move made to put his stamp on this team and to get the third star that he had continuously said he needed to get by Elton Brand. Um, this is going to take the Sixers to the next level. It is going to fulfill and satisfy the greatest need that the team had, a glaring weakness, um, is going to significantly improve their ability to score in the clutch, to execute in the fourth quarter. Um, and we now have, you know, through everything that all of the process fans have been through, from Hinky to Hinky getting forced out, to Colangelo to now, we are now in the... Th- there is really... Hinky was the starting pitcher... Colangelo was the middle reliever, and Elton Brand is now the closer. This is the trio. Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid. This is the trio. Everything that the process was made for. You know, the fact of having so many opportunities to hit on a star players, giving yourself so many assets and opportunities to get assets that you could trade for a star player. By the way, Robert Covington and Dario Sarge, both acquired by uh, by Sam Hinkie. This trade does not happen without Sam Hinkie. This trade is exactly why the process was correct. The Sixers have hit a bust on multiple top three draft picks. Julio Okafor, a bust. Markel Fultz, a bust. And not only was he himself the pick a bust, but they sent along a prized future pick asset in the Kings pick 
to move up to get that pick. This is a team who was seen as sixth overall pick from 2013 basically be traded for nothing. This is a team who, with the 24th and 26th pick in the draft a couple years ago, got a guy in Timothy Luau Cabrero, who is no longer on the team, and Furkan Korkmaz, who had his option declined and won't be on the team after this year. So, two busts in the top three, a sixth overall pick who ended up being turned into nothing, uh, two first-round picks who really just ended up not being anything that con- that contributed significantly, uh, second-round picks in Holmes, who they ended up shipping out, and Grant, who they ended up shipping out. You know, there are a lot of you know high-quality picks and assets that this team did not succeed or fully capitalize on, but they were still able because of the quantity and sheer amount of successful acquisitions made by Sam Hinkie, they were still able to have the assets to trade for a top 15 player in this league without giving up a first round pick. This trade is a testament to Sam Hinkie. I remember, you know, in the early stages of the process, we always talked about how they were going to amass so many assets that they'd be able to eventually cash in and trade them for a star player. I remember... You know, 2013-2014 process fans, the big name we all thought of was Paul George. Well, it turned out that that guy was Jimmy Butler. And now we have the final incarnation of the process. You know, I don't put stock into the fact that they can, you know, Bobby Marks talked about how if they trade Fultz, they'd be close to creating max space. Again, it's too tricky. I don't see that ever, you know, being able to happen. They'll get close to it. But full max space, it's not possible. Um, but this really is the home stretch of the process. This trade was possible because of Sam Hinkie. And even with missing on so many different picks, even with missing on so many guys in the draft under Brian Colangelo's watch, the Sixers team, because of the process, was able to get to the point where they now have three top 25 players in the league. Embiid is at worst the 12th best player in the league. Jimmy Butler is at worst the 15th or 16th, no, 15th best player in the league. Simmons, at this point, even without the ability to shoot the ball, is in the top 25 in this league. How many teams in the league can say that they have three players in the top 25? How many teams in the league can say they have a guy who's, you know, very much in consideration to be a top 10 player and a top 15 player? So how many teams in the league can say they have two two top 15 players in the league? Very few can, and now the Sixers can. I think this is a slam-dunk trade, a trade you have to make regardless of the emotional um, crappiness that comes with it because of Covington and Sarich. Um, I think it's a testament indirectly to Sam Hinkie, and if Kawhi leaves Toronto, and if Kevin Durant does not come to the New York Knicks, within the next four years, the Philadelphia 76ers will have at least made the NBA Finals at least once. There is no doubt in my mind if the stars align in the way I just laid out. All in all, I'm very excited for this Wednesday when Butler will likely make his debut or debut against Orlando with this team. Um, Thanksgiving, that week where they play Monday, Wednesday, Friday against Phoenix, New Orleans, and Cleveland. That should be a very fun week to go to home games for for the Sixers. Um, now it makes, it gives you yet another reason to watch and really get into Sixers basketball. Um, I think that the city of Philadelphia is going to love Jimmy Butler. 
Because Jimmy Butler, you know, let me look at Philadelphia. Philadelphia is raw. Philadelphia is real. Philadelphia is gritty. Jimmy Butler is a no-nonsense guy who will not take any crap, will get up in your face, and is fearless. That is the type of player who, if they do not create any issue or turmoil within the locker room or make any public issues, that is a guy who is perfectly formulated to be beloved in the city of Philadelphia. And especially so, being the guy that takes them to the next level, fulfills the star hunting prophecy, and gets them to a level where they could be a team that makes the finals. Never a dull moment in these last five years with the Philadelphia 76ers. Never, ever a dull moment. That'll about do it here for this episode of After the Final Whistle. Again, I am your host, Brad Clear. Follow me on Twitter at BradClear underscore Clear spelled K-L-I-E-R. Shout out to Elton Brand, the Philadelphia 76ers, and Jimmy Butler. And shout out to Tom Thibodeau for playing the situation so poorly to allow this trade to happen. And shout out to Bob Covington and Dario Saric, forever in the hearts of the process OGs. Again, I'm Brad Clear. Make sure to tune in here on iTunes or podcast.com for more episodes of After the Final Whistle. And as always, goodbye and good night.